take a moment and pray. Father, again, it is awesome to be in your presence and to have this opportunity to worship you, to give adoration and praise and thanksgiving for all you're doing. Lord, we know you are present, and we ask, Lord, help us be present. We want you, Lord, to come and transform us from the inside out. So let our hearts be open right now to hear the very things that your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us so that we will be transformed. And as a result of coming this morning, we'll be made different because we met you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We heard today in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, 1 through 12, about the Beatitudes. And Jesus teaches his disciples these eight blessings of this godly life that we have as a result of these Beatitudes and what they mean. And, and teaching is very counterculture and uh, to their understanding, to those who followed after Jesus. If you go back and you read Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and you read that, you'll see it's counterculture still today. That if you read that outline, it begins to, we struggle with that. But it's important that we get that. As a disciple, we have this honorable characteristics, and there's a blessing even when things are most difficult in our lives. And that's what Jesus was teaching with the Sermon on the Mount. But I want to talk about something else this morning. <laughs> so your homework is go home and read Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Study it, and there'll be an exam next week to make sure that you got all eight blessings down. But I want to continue from last week. And last week we spoke about Jesus calling his disciples to himself. And Jesus makes this invitation for them to come. In Matthew 4, verses, um, ni verse 19, Jesus says to them, he says what, church? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And to be a fisher of men really is specific. I talked about last week, you know, knowing God's will for our life. How do I know God's will for my life? And Jesus gives this outline in Matthew 4, and that, that we're all called to come and follow him, and then we're called to be these fishers of men. And to be a fisher of men, it means that you're a co-participator in the history of salvation. Amen. That you get to co-participate in all throughout the history of salvation, from the apostles to the disciples to all those who, who were fishers of men that went before us and then continues in our lives and through our lives, that we're called to co-participate for this history of salvation. So why do we need to evangelize or share the gospel message with others? Why? Why is that so important? We hear about it. It's spoken about. From here at the pulpit, it's shared about in small groups, this need for evangelization. And, and, and the reason there is a need for us to understand about sharing the gospel message first is this. It is the will of God that we do so. That it's God's will that we share the good news of the gospel. How do I know it's God's will? Because the last thing he gave us was the Great Commission. And that commission was to go and make what? Disciples. Well, I'm going to have to talk to someone, aren't I, if I'm going to go do that? That we're to go. He gives this great commission. Second, the Lord's plan for salvation to save others from their sin is through his disciples sharing the gospel. That, that our participation matters. If we're waiting for someone else to come along and do it, we've missed it. 
but that our participation matters. It's vital if we're co-participators, if we're coming alongside and we're serving alongside, that we're called to do that. And he chose men and women to be his disciples to go and bring that message. It's his will and his plan for salvation is, is us carrying that message to others. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. Say it with me. For all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. We love to quote that text when we do something wrong, don't we? Oh, all have fall short of the glory of God. I'm sorry. And somehow that's the great excuse for our humanity. But Paul, Paul makes this statement, all, say all, all have fallen short. All have fallen short. All have sinned. All of humanity is fractured. And our sin separates us from a relationship with Jesus. All of humanity is fractured and it's our sin that causes that great chasm, causes that great separation. Romans 6.23, Paul goes on and he makes this statement. He says, the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. And Paul, it would have been pretty brutal if he ended there. The wages of sin is death. Meditate on that for a while. But he makes a statement, the wages of sin is death. Death is the consequence of sin. Sin has consequences. And what Paul is saying is death is the consequence of our sin. That those who do not repent and turn from their sin, it will lead them to certain death. Death is simply this, what Paul's describing. Death is the eternal separation of the love of God. That's the death. Now, you have someone who you love in your life. Maybe we felt that if we've lost someone we love in our life, that a separation, what that feels like. But, but we, have, we have our children or our family members or, or there are those around us that we love and, and we can't comprehend being eternally separated from that love. We can't begin to comprehend that and that, that there is a heaven and that there is eternal salvation for those who come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to those who receive forgiveness and mercy. But there is a hell and there is this eternal separation as a result of sin because the wages of sin is death. And now we know that what that death means is, is this internal separation from God's incredible love for us. So knowing the wages of sin should sober us up a bit, shouldn't it? It should sober us up to the reality that there is a need for a Savior. One who can save us from our sins. Now here's the truth. Your spouse can't save you from your sins. Say amen. amen. Doesn't matter how hard they pray. What they're praying is for you to know it. There is no riding coattails to heaven. I hate to break the news. I'm so glad I married a saint. Well, you better get on with the program. That we would, we would know this, that we would, we would understand this, that, that how important it is and the need for a Savior, that, that, that my job doesn't lead me to salvation. 
the community I live in, and, and anything that I'm putting in place of only one who can save. There's only one who can save us from death. Because the wages of sin is death. And we're in need of one who can save us. Amen? We're in need of a Savior. We're in need of Jesus. But Paul continues with that scripture verse in Romans 6.23, and he says, but, and that's great. Paul, thank you that it continued. Thank you that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now here's the thing. The gift of God is Jesus. That's the gift. That God would send his only son. That's the gift of God. It's Jesus. And it's by his grace, through faith, that we come to believe. That we are redeemed. By his grace. See, the good news of the gospel is there is a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. That's the good news of the message that we have in our hearts, or we should know in our hearts. 1 Peter 2.24 says this, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we were healed. He himself would bore our sins. Past, present, future, Jesus took our sins on the cross. And the wages of sin is death, but he was the one who was willing to pay the price, the ransom for our salvation and eternal life. That's good news. Amen? That's the gospel message. That's why he calls us to follow him and be fishers of men. That message is in our heart and that good news is in our heart. Why is it so important that we share that with others? That we get hold of that? See, it's because of God's great grace. God's amazing grace. God's awesome grace that we don't get what we deserve. It's by His grace that we are saved. It's His great grace. We receive forgiveness and an eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's the message. That we understand that. So knowing this truth should burden our hearts for those who are lost. It should burden our hearts that there are those that we walk past or walk by each and every day, that we encounter each and every day, who may be eternally separated from the love of God. That we have this message. We have this good news. It doesn't get any better than that. When we receive that good news, we know what lies ahead for us. But there are those around us who don't know that good news. There are those around us that are trapped in darkness. There are those around us who are, are, are so deep they don't see hope. And, and it should stir within us. And if our hearts are not breaking for those around us, we've got to get back to a place and ask, Lord Jesus, break my heart. Break my heart for the things that break yours. Mm -hmm. Because his heart breaks. And because he loves us, what he did for us. And that should stir.
stir something in us. God, we, we know what that burden's like for our loved ones who are rejecting the gospel truth. We know what that burden's like when we're married and it's, it's unevenly yoked. We know what that burden's like for those around us. And, and, and to think there's some other message, like there's a part two of the Bible, like somehow this was written the most influential book of all time. And now somehow we've got this new book or understanding that it's a, there's a different way that this pans out. There's not a different way. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's through a relationship with him. And that we're called to have that relationship, and then we're called to share that relationship with others. But here's what I think. I think we've overthought what it means to be fishers of men. I think we've complicated a simple message of sharing the gospel, the good news. Here's why. Because you hear about evangelism and sharing the gospel, and you go, oh, God, Father Brett's going to ask me to stand in Malvern at the train station, and he's going to want me to hand out tracts, and 98.9% and of you will never do that. I don't even like to do that. And that's not what makes you an evangelist. That's not what, what makes you the one who carries the good news and the gospel message. You can... And I support it, and I encourage it, and I've done it. But there's more to that. And we've complicated this message that's been told to us. Or we've, or we've just kept it to ourselves. You ever have really good news someone shares with you, and you can't wait to tell somebody else? That excitement, maybe you're going to be a grandparent for the first time, and that stirring comes, and you can't wait? I remember when we were pregnant with our first child. I, I, couldn't, I was showing everyone... The sonogram picture, like it was a photo, like, you know, you got to see this. You won't believe it. They're like, where is it? You know, I'm like, look, it's an outline. And then it happened again, and I was still thrilled carrying it around, showing excited about this good news in my life. And we have to get excited about that good news in our life. Allow that to be stirred in us and not overthink the process of sharing it. Sharing the gospel is simple. And it's a simple way that we can participate to help lead others into salvation. Here's what it is. Sharing the gospel starts with a conversation. The conversation leads to trust and trust brings conversion. It starts with a conversation. It begins there. It starts there. All evangelism begins with a conversation, talking to those who we encounter each and every day. When we encounter those who we have these conversations with, and maybe they're loved ones or family or friends or coworkers or people that we meet that God divinely puts in our life, we encounter and we begin this conversation. Here's what happens when we begin that conversation. We need to start doing more listening than talking. Because somehow we come at it with, well, do you see what it says here in Romans chapter 6? And, and that's a terrible way to start a conversation. <laughs> Because if you came at me like that, I'm going the other way. But somehow it begins with, with listening. And when we listen, we hear their concerns and their burdens and their struggles and their fears and their doubts. See, because our aim is for the heart, not the head. That's what we're going for. When we have in our sights and we're going for the head, we're missing the mark. Jesus is saying, go for the heart. 
Meet them in their heart of where they're at, where that struggle lies, that burden lies, that fear lies, that doubt lies. Reach them in their heart because it's in the heart where that struggle lies. And Scripture tells us knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Mm -hmm. And you're going to reach their heart by loving on them, by listening, by having a conversation. It doesn't get any easier than that. And we begin in that place. And that conversation will lead to trust. Trust doesn't happen overnight. Trust is having multiple conversations. Trust is saying, would you meet me again next week? Let's get a cup of coffee and continue our conversation. Would you come over my communities in Christ? I want you to join us so we can continue that conversation. That, that we allow that stirring. And then it's in that conversation that we begin to build a relationship of trust for one another. And we, we begin to build that, and as that conversation grows, so does trust grow. And as trust grows, it reaches the heart. And here's the thing, that, that we're called to just be the vessels. Jesus will do the converting. Amen. It's not up to us who can be converted to know that truth, or that conversion to come. Amen. That's Jesus' job. Amen. We're the fishermen. Catch a fish, hand him to Jesus. Catch a fish, hand him to Jesus. He's got a plan that's greater than ours, and he can reach a heart in ways that we can't. But we are the vessels that he's using as part of his will and part of his plan. So here at Intercessor, we're committed to winning the lost. We're committed to making disciples. We believe we come expectant. Every day, every week when we gather that the Lord will move in signs and wonders all around us. That God's alive and his spirit is moving and we expect that to happen. And we've got a mission before us. The Lord said, I want you to prepare a place for those I'm about to send. So I said, okay, Lord, I will. And then the Lord said in Mark 4.26, he said the kingdom of God is as if a man would scatter seed on the ground. And we've been sowing that seed. And as a result of sowing that seed, we've been growing as a community. It's a simple message. We've been growing in a way that some may not have noticed some months ago. We added 40 chairs to the nave out there where you sit. Maybe you feel a little more crowded, I don't know. Because we had to make more room. That we've been growing in such a way in the multiple services that we offer. and that, that this semester through Alpha and Beta, we have over 65 people participating right now. From Alpha and Beta. Alpha being that introductory class of discovering those questions of who is God? Who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Bible? And those questions are being answered for those to come into that saving knowledge of Christ and beta discovering who we are and what we believe. And how do I become part of this body? And going through that, and God's just beginning there, he's going to continue to grow that because the harvest is plentiful and the Lord is sending forth a harvest. And it's all around us. Say that's good news. Maybe not, because you're going to get busy real soon. Because there's work to do in his kingdom. And I want to give you some really easy ways towards servant evangelism. Who'd like an easy way towards servant evangelism? Come on, don't lie. You know, so yeah, we all want an easier way. Our whole life's about easier. You know? Faster, easier. How does that? Give me that in one minute. Could you, could you make a 30-second video, and then I'll watch the video, and I'll go from there. But there's, there's, a, there's a simple way 
of being a servant or servant evangelism. Do you know when a new guest comes to church, someone new comes on a Sunday morning, statistics have proven that they make a decision whether or not they're going to come back to the church within seven minutes. So you can't blame my preaching. That's all I'm saying. Because <laughs> I didn't even get there yet. Seven minutes. You can hardly blame the worship team and the choir and the band because it's, it's seven minutes. They've just started in the beginning of that. But something's going on. Something's transpiring in, in the midst of that. And, 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 and there's a reason for that. There's a reason that it's, it's a battle in that first seven minutes. I know what it's like to get up in the morning and go to church and try to get a family in car in the car and get here and just make it to church and, 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 and all hell breaks loose in that car ride. Or just trying to get in the car. Oh, I'm not going. I'm not going to church either. I don't want to go now. Why is that on Sundays? Why is it stirred there? Because the enemy doesn't want you in the body of Christ. And he's going to divert that in any way he can. He's going to make us turn on one another so that we don't make a way. And, and, and why does that battle start there? Why does it begin to become so difficult? That first seven minutes, someone's deciding whether or not maybe going to walk into a church for the first time or maybe come and that day decide that they're going to surrender and want to have a relationship with Jesus. And they're making that decision in that minute. Our job as a body of Christ is as we invite those to come, our job is to relieve that anxiety, that stress, that pressure for someone who's coming for the first time. And we don't let the enemy get in there. Our goal is to remove every barrier that keeps someone from coming to a relationship with Christ. That we have to remove those barriers. So the first way to evangelism, you're going to love this. First easy step towards serving evangelism is this. I need you to park away from the church. See, I told you it was easy. Some of you are mad right now. We have three services. We have a very active church. Almost 50 ministries operate throughout this little building. It is used day and night. And what happens when you have multiple services, everyone thinks they belong to their own church. Like, I'm the 8 o'clock church, I'm the 9.30 church, I'm the 11.30 church. We do an all-church celebration so you can meet some new people. Like, I didn't know you go there. I didn't know you go there. I've been going there 20 years. Me too. Because it's a lot bigger thing that God has been doing in the midst of us, and he's not finished doing that. And that, that, that we have to make a way, we have to break down barriers, and, and in the process of listening to the Lord and preparing a way for those he's going to send, I sent out scouts to do some reconnaissance on parking. And I said, what's going on out there? What's happening? And it turns out that we're all trying to park in front of the church at the same time. And guess what? It's not going to work. <coughs> or everyone's on St. Thomas trying to park. So I said, what's going on in the library, the school, in Nottingham, where the other parking lot is? Turns out I found 55 parking spots that no one wanted to park in. Because we wanted to get as close as possible. Well, the first thing I charged was all those who were serving to please start parking as far as possible away. That we're making room for those who are coming. And discovering that, that, that maybe if I park not just in the school, but actually go down. And they have a little chart here or a map I'm going to show you. <laughs> Servant's way of evangelism. All right, you ready? There's a church. 
There's the church, right? Here's the school. No one parks here. Everyone's afraid to pull in the back. Library goes all the way back, 15 or 18 spots. Then if you turn on Nottingham, there's another parking lot. That there's all this parking all around us. And what if a wave of evangelism was that I was willing to walk 200 seconds? That I'll walk just a little bit further from the church to give someone a space who's coming for the first time. I'll do it. <laughs> Rush is in. We got one. <laughs> or from the library, or how important it is. And you might think I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. I'm going to break every barrier that keeps someone from coming to church. That I'm going to make a way when it seems impossible. I'm going to break through that pressure because I don't want... And our job as Christians and as messengers of the gospel is to populate heaven and depopulate hell. That's our job. And then we carry that, that gospel message. Then we make a way for those who, who, who need a way. And then we create that space of worship and a place for them to join the body of Christ. And when someone's new, the GPS takes them down St. Thomas Place. And then they got to make a left away from the church because Lindner's a one way. And what I can tell you is if I'm new, I just keep going. We be aggravated enough. We were fighting the whole way to church anyway. Might as well just keep going. But to break every barrier that we're making a room, we're preparing a place for those who God's going to send. What would it look like if St. Thomas was empty on the side of the church for new people who are pulling up and coming for the first time? That they have a spot and they're able to pull in and pull their car over. What would that look like? And that we made a little way, that we made a difference. And part of what we're going to do is, when you see the parking there, is that in the front of the church is going to be a new drop-off zone that you can't park right in front of the church. And part of that is going to be for those who need to be dropped off. And then you can go park away. You can go down up the block, but we'll have a drop-off that we can't block. And then we're going to create some spots where it says drop-off. They'll be for elderly or handicapped so they can actually park in front of the church who need it. And then we're going to make a way for that. But here's my goal. I want to see the new guests have all this space. When they pull up on their GPS, they're coming for the first time, that they can pull over and come into church. And that, they, that, that, that we can participate in that way. Simple ways that we can be servants and evangelize. Simple ways that we want to get people from the street to the seat and feel welcomed all along the way. That we're sharing that gospel. We're sharing that good news. That, that servant evangelism has to do with us making room and maybe making us a little uncomfortable. And if we think parking two minutes further is making us uncomfortable, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Go back and read the Beatitudes. That, that there is sacrifice for us to be involved. And this is minimal. This is simple. Another thing that people do when they come and they're new is that we make room for them in the church. So all those who sit in the back, what would it be like if a new family comes and they're looking to sit with four people in a row? And yet, because we love each other so much, we spread out as far as possible so we're nowhere near somebody. And we create these gaps and spaces. But if we move our seats forward and make a seat available for someone who's new. See, that's outward thinking, not inward thinking. 
And, and we have to be outward thinking because that's evangelism. And that's part of carrying a message. That's part of people feeling welcomed and loved and accepted into a place. And the little things that we can do that make such a difference. Next thing we're going to do, third simple way for evangelism, is that where we have most room to grow is at the 8 o'clock. And the 8 o'clock service is going to be like a full service, like the 9.30 and 11.30. I've been preaching there every Sunday since the summer. And I continue to preach all three services. It's the same message that you get at every service. That there's worship and praise, and, 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 but we need people to participate and be involved and to serve there, not just there, but in all three. But that's a space that's being a good steward of the space the Lord gave us, that we're making room. I've said some weeks ago that if you take Long Island all the way to Brooklyn and Queens, there's over 8 million people on this peninsula. And what I can tell you, there's not 8 million people going to church on Sunday. Well, I can tell you, you're lucky if it's 20% of that number actually go to church on Sunday morning. If God wants to bring forth renewal and revival, we better start making room, amen? amen. That we have a message to carry in a way that maybe we get a little uncomfortable, but it's a way that we can begin to make room. And we're going to do that starting on March 1st, the first Sunday in Lent. And we're going to kick off a sermon series in Lent as well that you'll look forward to. And that, that we're making that room. We're being good stewards of the space the Lord gave us and room to grow and continue that. And continue what he's begun here. Continue what he wants to see. The fourth way is that all of us get to participate as the body of Christ. And on Sunday mornings, all the things that are taking place, people serving. There's over 150 people in this church that serve uh, on a regular basis on Sunday mornings. And that sounds like a large number. I want to see 250 people serving on a regular basis on Sunday mornings. And what that means is that we all can have a part to play on Sunday morning. We all can participate in some way, one Sunday, once a month, that we can serve in some capacity. In some way, I'll sign up for the 8 o'clock, and I'll serve there once a month, or the 9.30 or the 11.30, that, that I can participate by, 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 by serving in some way. And we're called to serve, and we're the body of Christ, and we need each other, and each one of us are called together to do that and come alongside each other. Because we are the body, and we all have that call to serve one as we serve for the Lord, as we serve and love one another. Ephesians 4.12 says it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And part of that is to use our gifts. Some of you are incredible greeters and loving and, 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 and could be ushers. Or, or here's another scenario. What if a single mom comes to church for the first time with two kids? She can't park. There's nowhere to go. She had a battle the whole way to get here for the first time. She finally gets to the church and there's nowhere for her to sit in the back. Or, or she gets here and we don't have someone to work in toddler room that Sunday morning. So she doesn't get a chance to sit alone for the first time probably all week. To have 30 minutes for herself. But in that time that maybe she comes and she surrenders and she comes to a relationship with Jesus as a result that we made a way for her. That, that, that as a result someone signed up to be part of toddler care or part of Sunday school as a teacher or the hospitality ministry or someone signed up to be a chalice bearer or a reader or, or, or joined the ministry team or the choir and be part of the body so that we can continue to carry the message. And that's what the Lord called us to do. He told us to prepare a place for those he's going to send. And we get to be participators in that. We're not called to be spectators. You know, Super Bowl is going to take place. I played sports in school. And what I can tell you is that as exciting it might be to be at the Super Bowl and sit in the stands, it's a hundred times more exciting to be on the field and play. That there's a difference 
of being in the game and watching the game. And we're all called to participate. We all have a position, a role, a place, a gift that the Lord wants to use. He made you that way. He gave you that gift. And he wants you to bring that gift into his kingdom purposes. To be used for his glory. What would the church look like as that begins to happen? But we're, we're going to begin to do that. We're going to begin to make a way for that. That Recognizing that evangelism starts with a conversation that leads to trust, that leads to conversion. And that on Sundays we're going to make room that we're thinking about breaking every barrier that might be there for someone who's new. Welcoming them, loving them, making room for them as they come to worship. That we're going to maximize all the opportunities that the Lord's given us to continue to share that gospel. God's will is that we follow him. God's will is that we become fishers of men. Amen? Amen. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's a card in the seat in front of you. And if you don't want to fill it out, just write your friend's name and check off a bunch of boxes. <laughs> don't write Chuck Wagon or anything like that. You know what I mean? But in there, just take a moment. Or you take that card out. I'm going to pray. There's the 8 o'clock, the 9.30, and 11.30. I'm hoping so many cards are filled out, I have to turn people away or move them to another ministry. We want to see the choir filled at every service, the bands filled at every service, readers at every service, child bearers, altar guild, teachers, Sunday school. No one's exempt. All of us are called on the field. All of us are called to participate. So you can check one area, and you'll be, we'll be in contact and say, here's what we're going to do. It's once a month that you'll be able to serve and as a result of that serving, together we can watch the Lord reach those around us who are lost. So Father, I pray right now that stir in our hearts how you want to use us as servant evangelists, Lord. Let us not be afraid to take on a commitment, and a commitment that you will bless and use for building your kingdom. Father, let us not be afraid today to have those conversations that you lead us to. So we can invite those around us to come and worship you. So Lord, I pray you open our hearts for the area or the place that you're calling us to serve. And that we will serve faithful because Lord, you were first a servant. And so you call us to serve. Now if you're here this morning and maybe it's the first time you heard Romans 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. Jesus makes a way for that eternal life when we come into that relationship with who he is. He makes the invitation, but we have to respond to it. And the Lord's calling you today to come into that relationship with who he is. All it takes our part to play is that I'll surrender and I'll say yes. He makes the invitation to follow him and I say yes. And if you'd like to respond to that, that you know that, the, that, that he was the ransom for that sin and that he brings the forgiveness and mercy and grace into your life, but you've got to acknowledge who he is in a relationship. And it's acknowledging who he is and coming to that relationship, he gives us an eternal life. If you're here this morning, you don't know him in that way, I want to pray with you right now to know him in that way. And if you want to pray with me, just raise your hand right now and we'll pray. And we'll ask the Lord into your life that way. Father, we just pray right now for our loved ones, for our family, our friends, siblings, spouses, co-workers, neighbors. Lord, maybe they're in darkness right now. And you will lead us to that conversation that will build trust 
and you will bring the conversion and the transformed life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can continue to fill those out. We're going to put them right in the offering basket. So let us walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all. Amen. As long as I have